What's going on, guys? It's JP from the Double Double, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben. What's going on, everybody? Welcome. And the regular season is finally over. Um, Obviously, me and Ben will take as much basketball as we possibly can, but playoff basketball is truly the best thing about this sport. Great games every single night and just an added level of intensity. Um, And we're just going to hop into our play-in predictions, our playoff predictions before they start so you guys can get an accurate depiction of what me and him think about the landscape of the playoffs. So we're going to start in the play-in tournament in the East. In the 7-8 matchup, we have Miami and Atlanta. And then in the 9-10 matchup, we have Chicago and Toronto. So, Ben, who do you have winning in the East play-in? I think 7-8. I think the easy winner here is Miami. Atlanta's been all over the place this year, and I can't count out Jimmy Butler in a single elimination game like this. Uh, The Heat and the Hawks are both all over the place. I'm not going to act like the Heat have had an excellent season and like they have their shit together entirely. But if you're talking about who do you want for a single game, Jimmy Butler's top 10 in the NBA. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think Miami walks into that seven seed. I don't think there's much competition. Um, And who do you think wins out of the 9-10 matchup? I want Chicago to win. I don't know if that'll actually happen. Um, it's it's tough, man. Chicago looked like they were getting really good with Patrick Beverly, and then they started losing some easy games, and they kind of looked like the same team they've been this year. Um, I'm still rooting for Chicago, though. I think I'm going to take Chicago as well. Um, they are the fifth best defense this year. That was shocking to me. Like, you just don't peg them as that type of team, especially with Vucevic as the back line. Um, but I just hate the Raptors half court offense and the Bulls defense has been very, very good. And I just think that lends itself to a Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan against Pascal Siakam scoring battle and Levine and DeRozan win that battle every single time. To think the the minutes leaders for the Bulls this year are DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine and Vucevic, and they're a top five defense in the NBA. That's pretty wild. Um, yeah. You know, Alex Caruso has done some amazing things as a point of attack defender this year. Patrick Williams will never be the guy we expected him to be, but he's still a good defender. Um, There are some really good defensive pieces like in the rotation, but it's crazy that like without good defensive stars, this team's still doing really well on that end. And then for those who don't know, the loser of the seven, eight plays the winner of the nine, 10. So we have the Hawks facing the bulls. Who do you have winning that matchup? Again, I want to go with the Bulls. Um, I don't know. I think Alex Caruso trying to check Trey Young. I think that's as good of a guy as you can ask for to do that. Um, And then it comes down to, can the rest of the Hawks score? And they've struggled to do that this year. I'm going to go with Chicago. I'm also going with uh, Chicago, which I was not expecting. Um, I think the Hawks might have the two best players in that game. I mean, depending on how you look at DeJounte Murray, um, I think Trey might be the best. I don't know. It's hard to tell, but I think Chicago with the point of attack defenders they have and them being able to hound Trey Young and DeJounte Murray all game, like you said, other guys in the Hawks are going to have to step up and score and they've proven the entire year they can't do that. Yeah, from an efficiency standpoint, Trey Young's had a pretty poor year. Yeah. Uh, relative to what he's done the past couple of years. He's uh, lowest field goal percentage since his rookie year, 43% from the field. Um, cool. It was a terrible start and he started to pick it back up, but he never brought his averages high enough. I just feel like this is the sort of team where the, 
you know, with a good Bulls defense and what the Hawks offense has been at times, this could just be a terrible offensive outing from the Hawks. And then it ends up being like 100 to 85 or 100 to 90 sort of win. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I've talked about the Hawks struggles from the three point land all year long. That's been a huge concern of mine. That's why I never took them seriously. And it hasn't fixed itself. They still can't shoot the ball. So thinking that they're going to all of a sudden in a one game playoff against a really good defensive team, just figure out how to shoot threes. It's just not going to happen. So we have the Bulls in the eighth seed and we have Miami in the seventh seed in the east. Let's go on over to the west play in. We have the Lakers facing Minnesota in the 7-8 matchup, and then we have the Pelicans facing OKC in the 9-10 matchup. Who do you got? Let's start with 7-8. The biggest joke of the Minnesota season happened over the past 24 hours. Uh, Jaden McDaniels picked up his second foul early in the game and punched, I think, what he thought was a soft wall but ended up breaking his hand. And then Rudy Gobert punches his own teammate and gets suspended for the play-in game. Yeah. So Minnesota season ended about as sadly as a season can end. They're going to get dog walked by the Lakers. Um, and then they're going to get dog walked by whoever the nine and 10 winner is. Okay. Yeah. So I have the Lakers winning seven, eight as well. And I think the winner of nine, 10 is going to be the thunder. Um, they just have the best player available, right? Like SGA is going to make all NBA first team. Like he has a case that he was the best guard all year long, which is ridiculous. Um, I think that alone kind of gives them the leg up in that matchup. So in terms of Minnesota facing OKC with what we've just learned, right? I mean, even with JD McDaniels breaking his hand, it's Ant, Conley, Gobert, and Cat for that game. I'm actually going to take Minnesota, I think. Um, just based off of size, OKC's the worst rebounding team in the entire league. Josh Giddy's their leading rate rebounder was 7.9. Um, no one on that team's like over six foot nine. If you have Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns on the floor at the same time, I have a really good feeling that they're going to eat up a lot of boards. So I'm, I'm actually going to have Minnesota winning that game. I think if the last 24 hours didn't happen, um, they would probably win that game comfortably. I don't know. Minnesota's good at killing vibes, man. I don't think the vibes have ever been worse this season than they are right this second. They had some bad moments early in the beginning of the year, but right yeah. now feels like the worst time to have this sort of back and forth with your teammates happening. Um, unless they use it as fuel, unless they squash it and they actually play really well. I don't really know what I'm expecting. Well, if if anyone watched the game yesterday, after Rudy Gobert punched Kyle Anderson, Minnesota completely changed and started dominating the game. Like they were down 12 when that happened, and then they ended up winning the game. And Anthony Edwards had one of the greatest two-way performances in the last five minutes of a game I've seen. It was like Kawhi-level, LeBron-level two-way dominance. And it's just like, to see a guy do that in a five minute, like the last five minutes of a game where he's taking over on defense and your best player on offense, it just, it gives me hope, even though all the drama is happening in Minnesota, plus what I brought up with the rebounding. So that would just be my reason, but it's not like a guarantee for me. I would not be shocked at all if the Pelicans or OKC won. In terms of top end talent, Minnesota definitely has the edge over the Pels of the Thunder. Um, in terms of Pell's Thunder, because we kind of just skipped over that a little bit, yeah. Brandon Ingram's having an excellent year. Uh, to, you know, ever since he recovered from his injury, Trey Murphy as a rotation player is two percentages points off of 50, 40, 90 this year. Um, he's been an unbelievable shooter. 
this is a I've had some moments where I felt like maybe this team could do something without Zion just watching the way Brandon Ingram's played but this isn't the year for that yeah it's not um Brandon Ingram's been crazy I texted you I think like a week and a half ago that he's basically just Jason Jason Tatum light uh yeah. he Tatum without the defense um and a little bit better playmaking but what he can do in the mid-range is very, very unique. And he's the type of guy where, you know, you're, you feel okay with one game in his hands. Like, he could definitely close a game by himself. Um, so that should be an exciting matchup. It's just in terms of what those teams are going to do against Minnesota, I'll just take my money with Ant leading the charge. Yeah, so let's say that Minnesota wins that going forward. And let's move back over to the East and let's talk about one versus eight, which would be Milwaukee versus Chicago. Um, it doesn't matter who becomes the eight seed at the end of the play-in. Milwaukee is going to sweep them comfortably. Um, everybody in that play-in, all they are is fodder for the top two seeds. I really don't see, you know, maybe they can take a game, but even that I'm not really expecting. Yeah, I think Milwaukee would sweep the Bucks. I mean, I think the Bucks would sweep either Chicago or the Hawks. I think the Raptors may be able to grab a game just because of how weird and long they are. But those other two teams are just going to get decimated. So Milwaukee's moving on. Yeah, I think pretty comfortably. There's not even a lot to say about it. Uh, You know, number five defense in the NBA doesn't mean anything when it's Vucevic against Giannis. Um, You know, Andre Drummond's been great as a high effort guy. Patrick Williams has been great as a high effort guy. None of it matters when Giannis is in the paint. Um, That's just not what they've been elite at protecting this year. If we go to the Celtics Heat series, um, I've changed my tune on this series a little bit. I think I texted you like a day or two ago that I think it would be a sweep. I think that was probably a little bit of an overreaction just because I love the Celtics talent and Miami's three-point shooting and point differential this year has been horrible. Um, in the postseason, I think I needed to give them a little bit more respect, but I still think it's a quick series. I think the Celtics probably take it in five. I think it's a gentleman sweep. Um, if Jimmy Butler wasn't the man on this team, it would be a sweep. But Jimmy Butler will win this team to at least one win. Right. Um, and me and you have seen, like living in Boston, Bam Adebayo gives this team problems for whatever reason. Like, absolutely. He feasted on the Celtics throughout his career. So you know he's going to play well. Absolutely. And then it just comes down to, you know, how much are you asking from the guys that you have around them? Tyler Hero is going to put up his points. Um, but after Jimmy Bam and Tyler Hero, where is the production coming from? They've really been lacking this year. And I just yeah. think the Celtics are that team. I think this first round series from both the Bucks and the Celtics should be like a statement win. You should be trying to beat the shit out of this team to send a message to the other top team in the East. Right. And I think both teams are going to approach it that way, right? Because they're going to want all the rest they can have mm-hmm. heading into the second round series. Um, but yeah, if we go if we go to Miami and just who they expect to do anything for them outside of those top three guys you mentioned, it gets really grim. Max Struess, Kyle Lowry, Victor Oladipo, Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, Kevin Love, like all of these guys are just guys right like they're not doing anything they're not impressive players um three players cannot be the deepest team in the league in the Celtics so that that should be a gentleman's sweep and not only are they not incredibly impressive on the offensive end they're not incredibly impressive on the defensive end um this has been a very top heavy team all season and now they're going up against what I think is the deepest team in the NBA um 
I expect, so the thing with the Celtics is when they played the Heat last year, when the ball movement was good, when they weren't settling for shots, they destroyed the Heat, not even competitive. Um, So as long as they can do that and not settle for so many ISO, Jalen Brown, mid-range, Jason Tatum, three-point pull-ups, I don't know. Right. And that was the Heat's game plan last year, if you remember. Like, stealing the ball from Jalen uh, Brown was literally the Heat's entire strategy, where mm-hmm. every time he dribbled, they would reach. It didn't matter how many fouls they had. It was just, hey, we know this guy's going to turn the ball over. Let's just keep picking his pocket until he turns into a catch-and-shoot player. Yeah. And that's basically what happened to Jalen Brown. I mean... He was getting stolen from so frequently that they started running him off pin downs just for catch and shoot opportunities, which kind of neutralized him in a sense. Um, So it's interesting because Miami has like a history of facing the Celtics in big games and big series. But in terms of like matchups, there is such a vast talent deficiency between these teams. Like it's it shouldn't be close. Five sounds right. The way they were able to close the gap last year was through turnovers, through forcing Tatum and Brown to turn the ball over, over and over again. And adding Malcolm Brogdon, I think the playoffs is when people are really going to recognize what that wrinkle does to your team. Having a guy like Brogdon who does not turn the ball over and who's great at probing the paint, kicking out to an open shooter. Like when you ask him to do that instead of Brown and Tatum, great things are going to happen. Yeah. And just the one thing that we can maybe give Miami some props on as you mentioned it they force a lot of turnovers and they also don't turn the ball ball over a ton themselves so they keep the ball safe and they take it away from the other team that makes their games closer than they should be but I know I mean we agree this should be a quick one but it should be interesting it should be a fun series to watch it definitely should uh let's move on to three six I want this to be a competitive series Philly versus the Brooklyn Nets I want to see Mikhail Bridges as the number one guy in the playoffs be something really cool. And maybe he will put up an efficient 27 points a game, but I think this is going to be close to being a gentleman's sweep. I think this is a sweep. Um, I don't think this is going to be terribly competitive. Um, I think Philly is going to dust through this team. I have virtually no respect for the Nets as a team uh, when it comes against Philly. Nick Claxton's incredible, but Joel Embiid's 270, 280 pounds. Nick Claxton's like 200 pounds. It's not going to be fair. Uh, I would expect a 30 and 15 line from Joel this uh, first round series. And just in terms of like, you know, it's not just Joel out there, but name guys you're confident in the Nets in a postseason series, like that will help them win games against Philly. I love McHale, but other than that, there's not a ton of guys that I'm really like excited about watching on the Nets to give them a chance against Philly. The Nets are a team full of guys who would be really helpful, really impactful on another team's playoff run. Um, <laughs> like none of them are good enough to win a series or win a couple games by themselves. But if you threw any of these guys onto Philly, they'd be a game changer. If you threw them onto a team that was teetering, it would make a big difference. Um right. I just, I want to see Mikhail Bridges ball. I guess it's not going to mean anything, but like there really isn't anyone on the Sixers who I think can check Mikhail Bridges from the three or from the mid range. I would say PJ Tucker is going to be attached to him the entire series. And, you know, we can laugh about how PJ Tucker literally scores zero points per game, but we've seen what he's done in other postseason runs where he's just in player shorts the entire series and just makes things super annoying for them. So, you know, in terms of Philly, like they have a guy to throw on the other team's best guy, and it's not 
like the Nets can't say the same thing because Claxton, another thing that I spoke to you about through text the other day is like Claxton's a horrible free throw shooter. Absolutely horrible. One of the worst in the league. You can't play him in the last five minutes of a fourth quarter if the game's close. If Joel's feasting out there without Claxton on the floor in the last five minutes of a game, the Nets literally have zero shot to win. So this, like you said, they do have interesting players on this Nets team, but it feels like they'd be better on other squads than just this collective that Brooklyn has right now. Yeah, they're going to be, the Nets are going to be crossing their fingers that Dayron Sharp can be a big enough body for a couple of minutes every play or every game. Right. Um, because he's the biggest body that they have. Nick Claxton is great when you need a switchable big who can also give you really good rim protection. If you need a guy to stop seven foot two Joel Embiid, Nick Claxton is not suited for that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I just have so much respect for the way the Nets have been able to win since the KD trade. Um, right. that I think it could be a gentleman sweep, but it's not gonna be anything longer than that. And just quickly, one more point to like kind of really drive my point home. The Nets are horrible at rebounding as well. And you have Joel Embiid on the team, right? So it's just going to be, he is going to live near the basket from game one to game four. And it should be over quick in my estimation. I think you're totally right. And I want to give you the floor for the next one. Cavs versus Knicks. I'm not entirely sure how to feel about this. I have the Cavs winning, but I want to hear your breakdown of how you think the series is going to go. Yeah, so this is a really interesting matchup um, because I think most people view them as pretty close to even. And if you think the Knicks are going to win, it's because you think that they have more depth than the Cavs, which is just objectively true. They have really good bench players that they can take off their bench and put into games and contribute. The Cavs do not have that. If you think the Cavs are going to win, you just trust in the top end talent that the Cavs have. Because those four guys in the starting lineup for the Cavs are unbelievable. Um, you have Mobley making a late defensive player of the year push. You have Donovan Mitchell, who seems like he's going to be an all-NBA guard, either first or second team. Darius Garland honestly does have a case for all-NBA this year, too. He will not make it, but he's having the best season of his career on crazy efficiency. There's, It's just, do you trust top-end talent or do you trust depth? And I think that's kind of where you lean. Eileen Cavs in seven. I do not think this is going to be an easy series by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I just think a guy like Donovan Mitchell, I trust to kind of close out a series uh, that's pretty close. So that's that's where I lean. I think game one tells us pretty much everything about how this series is going to go. Um, the last, the problem that the Knicks had in the past was that Julius Randle put up one of the worst playoff performances I've seen in my entire lifetime legitimately um so i don't know you know if the lights are a little bit too bright again we could see another shit show from the knicks because julius randall is the engine is a big part of the engine for this team him and brunson him and jalen brunson are a tag team and without julius randall having 25 points 10 boards four assists you're not gonna win this series um but i think the Cavs are top 10 in offense and defense Yep. This is a legit team. Even though the depth is not really there, the power, the talent that they have in their four best guys is so much better than you find on most teams. And if they're just playing 36, 38 minutes a night, they're going to lead the Cavs to wins. I think it's going to be a six-game series. Okay, I'll definitely take that. Um, I think you mentioned it, right? A lot 
on how the Knicks play depends on how Randall plays um, because he's going to make an all NBA team. Uh, you know, whether that translate to the playoffs is a whole different deal, especially when Evan Mobley's guarding you from tip, right? Yeah. Like it's just going to be so hard for him to get the shots he's used to getting mm-hmm. with the length and athleticism that Mobley brings to this team. Um, especially like even if he gets past Mobley, he's running into Jared Allen at the rim. It's just going to be impossible for him to get efficient looks. And one of the reasons I kind of hate this Knicks team is Julius Randle thinks he's Kobe Bryant. And so does RJ Barrett. And they take horrible shots, really heavily contested shots, and they don't make them. And you can game plan around their selfishness as players. Um, I, I can't even tell you how many games this year where RJ Barrett just goes into ISO mode and teams just force him right. And he ends up breaking layups or has to pass out with three seconds left on the shot clock because he can't get his own shot. That happens constantly with this Knicks team. Um, And I just think Cleveland will be able to capitalize. I think the Knicks have a difficult conversation to make about RJ Barrett as soon as this off season. Um, in 2,500 minutes for the Knicks this year, the Knicks are 10 points worse with him yeah. on the floor. That yeah. is really, really bad. You don't see that from, you know, that doesn't lie. That sort of stat doesn't lie to you. RJ Barrett is a negative to this team. He plays too many minutes, but they don't have anybody that can fill his role. Bringing well, in Josh Hart was great. Um, and, you know, maybe next year they can bring in a, guy in a smaller role they can bump up josh hart's minutes and maybe that's their replacement but i honestly think if the knicks are making good decisions this should be the last year of rj barrett on the team uh it's not gonna happen but i under i understand being and you are we've been over this on the podcast a hundred times both of us are not rj barrett fans like just in general how we view him as a player moving forward and right now we're just not fans um, but if you think the Knicks are going to win, this is a point that Knicks fans would probably point to is you have Josh Hart coming off the bench. You have quickly and Grimes coming off the bench. You have legitimate players that can contribute to winning, replacing these guys if they need a breather. Um, yeah. RJ Barrett, if he's not playing well, who cares? Throw Josh Hart out there. He'll defend Donovan Mitchell. He'll grab a ton of rebounds and he'll keep the ball moving. That means a lot in terms of a seven game playoff series. Like, He's going to make it difficult for Mitchell to get good looks or if he gets switched on to Garland or even Mobley. Josh Hart's a stout guy. I wouldn't be shocked if they try putting on him on Mobley sometimes. So, you know, I, I really, really view this series about as even as you can get. And that's why I have Cavs in seven, just because I, I basically view it as a coin flip. But the Cavs have Donovan Mitchell and the Knicks do not. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what it's going to look like. Jalen Brunson could have an excellent series. He could average 30 um, and he could really help pull the Knicks into some wins Uh, real quick. I just had to have a little bit more RJ Barrett slander. Uh, The Knicks have the third best offense in the NBA. RJ Barrett's offensive rating is 107. His defensive rating is 118. That is the worst out of the guys in the top 10 in minutes for the Knicks on both categories. Yeah. Um. So the minutes you play without him are going to be huge. Josh Hart is so important to this team, and it was such an excellent pickup. Um. He will be a beast on both ends. He'll be really impactful, grabbing rebounds, defending guys. Yeah. Um. Jalen Brunson's the guy for me that's going to be the difference maker. 
I completely agree with you. Uh, we saw what Jalen Brunson did to the Cavs two weeks ago. He dropped 48 points and won them the game in Cleveland's house. And Isaac Okoro was out for that game, right? But if you're counting on Isaac Okoro to be the guy that locks down Jalen Brunson over a playoff series, you have things to be concerned about. That's not going to be an easy matchup every single night. Um it's it's going to be a close one, man. And like more, more RJ stuff, there's going to be a game where it completely depends on how RJ plays, right? Like there is going to be a game where he is forced to take shots that he probably doesn't want to take. And the outcome of the game will be decided on, is he hitting them tonight or is he not? And honestly, the same can be said with Donovan Mitchell. Um, Donovan Mitchell gets tunnel vision sometimes, right? It's just a part of the gig with him. He's incredibly talented, but sometimes he can be a little bit selfish. There are going to be games where the entire outcome decides on if he's hitting his tough shots or not over guys like Quickly and Grimes who are going to hound him. Um, it's it's going to be a really fun series. This is probably the one I'm most excited for. That one's going to be the most fun. I want to say these are both teams that I think the way this season's gone, they expect to win a first round series. Um, and if you know, one of them gonna are going to lose and they're going to be really kind of disappointed with how this season went. Um, if the Cavs lose this first round, what does the offseason look like? Um, to be like, this is the first year of the experiment, right? Obviously, they want this series win. I don't think it'll be a massive uh, overreaction. Um, I think it probably still goes to plan. They're going to go after whatever wings are on the free agent market. They don't have any picks, so they won't be making trades. Um, but it'll be very interesting just moving forward and like how they view this season, right? For me, I think I'd still view it as a success. In the first year of the experiment, they won 51 games. Like not a lot of teams are winning over 50 games in the NBA. This is the first one. This is year one of this experiment. This is Mobley only averaging 16 points a game, right? So we're going to see growth. Um but for the Knicks, like, I already think this season is a resounding win. Um, yeah. You have proved to the league, like, you are a stable franchise. You have two guys that have a case to make all NBA teams. Uh, probably a six-man of the year. We'll see. Brogdon's making a really good push. A lot of people are pushing for Brogdon right now. Um, it just it seems like the Knicks and the Cavs are in a really good spot moving forward. Yeah, I wonder there maybe there's not a big reaction from either side for whatever team that loses this first round. I think the Cavs would be the most uh bothered by a first round loss here because I think the the average person's gonna expect Cleveland to win this series. Yes. Um, so if they lose, maybe there's some question marks. We've talked about, you know, is it time to move on from Jared Allen? Can you play with two non-spacing uh, bigs at the same time? And that's a question mark that I'm so excited to see answered in the playoffs. Um, mm -hmm. Because if we get into this thing where it's like what happens with Steven Adams and Jared Allen can't play as many minutes because they just run him off the floor, that'll be really interesting. I'm not sure that I predict that, but that would be interesting to see. I think Jared Allen will hold up just fine on defense. It'll be no problem on defense. It'll just be on offense because – the Cavs have yet to answer the wing issue. And we've spoken about this at length, just on our personal conversations. For me, I think the problem solver is just if they find a, a decent wing for me, if they can find a wing that can shoot threes, I think the issue's solved, but they haven't found that. Right. So if you're counting on Isaac Okoro to hit five threes in a game, you better be praying to God before this game, like before that happens. <laughs> 
Yeah, I I think it's going to be so much fun to watch this series. The Cavs really play a different version of basketball than the rest of the NBA, and that makes their playoff run just so much fun to watch. Um, I think that's it, though. Moving on to the West. Let's start with one versus eight, Denver versus Minnesota. If Minnesota does not have Jalen McDaniels, this is going to be a quick series. I love Anthony Edwards. I think he'll have a great series because there's not a lot of great point of attack defenders on the Nuggets. Um, but I don't know that it'll matter. I think this is going to be a five or six game series for Denver. To be completely transparent with our listeners, if Jalen McDaniels was healthy and Nas Reed didn't get hurt like two weeks before the end of the season, I would say this series would go seven. Um, but I think this is probably a five game series. Um, I agree with you. I think Ant's going to be incredible. I think Carl Anthony Towns actually provides a ton of issues for this uh, Nuggets team, in my opinion. Uh, I just think. Who the fuck is going to guard that guy? Because in the paint, he will roast Jokic. And if he's bringing Jokic out to the three-point line over and over again, that creates even more of a lane to get to the rim uh, on a Nuggets team that already doesn't have great interior defense. So in terms of like matchups, I actually think the Wolves are going to do okay. But the Nuggets are the far talented, more talented team. Like they have a guy who's going to be top two in MVP voting. And they have Jamal Murray, who scored 20 points, Michael Porter Jr., one of the best three-point shooters in the league, and Aaron Gordon, one of the most versatile defenders in the league. So this game, this series should be quick. I probably see it ending in five. I think this is just going to be an offensive showing from the Nuggets because that's what it's going to take to beat the Wolves is just picking them apart defensively. And having Cat and Rudy Gobert on the floor at the same time with this Nuggets team, I think it's going to be easy to pick them apart. I think it's going to be easy to run sets and get your guys wide open threes. They're already, I mean, they're still one of the best three-point shooting teams in the NBA, the Nuggets are. I don't, yeah, I think this is a five-game series. If Nas Reed was healthy, if Jalen McDaniels was healthy, they'd be two really interesting wrinkles. But yeah. I still think at the end of the day, the Nuggets are the team that I've had my most faith in. Um, and so even with those guys, I'm taking the Nuggets. Yeah, and I think, you know, if Jalen McDaniels and Nas Reed were healthy, I'd actually probably have an inkling of choosing them over the Nuggets in seven, just based off of, I've talked to you about this for months now. I hate the interior defense of the Nuggets. I hate it. And I also think, you know, in recent light, I have figured out that Denver has the worst bench in the league. If any starter for the Nuggets needs a breather, you're instantly just filling their spot with a trash can um and if you're minnesota and you have nas reed and torian prince and like legitimate guys that i respect coming off the bench kyle anderson as well that's just a completely huge advantage for minnesota where their guys get breathers and they're filled with good positive minutes and denver's guys get their breathers taken away and the lead gets cut down right so but that's not the case nuggets should win this one pretty easily yeah, and the thing about playoff rotations is they get shrunk down to eight men anyways. So right. the Nuggets have six guys that they're comfortable giving a lot of minutes to because Bruce Brown's been awesome off the bench. Um, but after that, Reggie Jackson and Jeff Green are the guys they're hoping to get good value from. And it's really a coin toss uh, with both of them. Jeff Green gives you some good minutes, man. He does not play like a 48-year-old man. I don't He's He's 36. <laughs> he's not that old, but he plays a lot younger than he is. You're uh, right. In terms You're of right. actual talent, the Nuggets definitely have the worst bench out of the playoffs, out of the guys yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah, but they have superior top-end talent to most of the teams in the league, in my opinion. I think yeah. th that's why they're the one seed, right? Yeah. 
Uh, let's talk about two versus seven. Memphis versus L.A. I have no idea what this series looks like. LeBron James, I think a lot of it is going to be tied to how healthy is he? How good is that foot really? Um, if he's at 100%, I think I'm taking the Lakers in six. If he's 80%, I'm taking the Lakers in six. Um, I think the Lakers, this is a match made in heaven. The way the bracket worked out for the Lakers is unbelievable. And we'll get into that a little bit as we keep moving forward with our picks. Um, but just to start off with this first round series, Memphis confirms that Steven Adams will not be participating in the postseason. Brandon Clark tore his Achilles earlier in the year. That leaves Jaron Jackson Jr. by himself. And if we know anything about Jaron Jackson Jr., he fouls more than any other fucking player in the league. Anthony Davis is going to go fucking bananas on the Grizzlies. And there is no backup for Jaron Jackson Jr. It's going to be Anthony Davis versus Jaron Jackson Jr. And Jaron's going to probably only play 20 minutes a game in this series because of foul trouble. Um, it is going to be a slaughtering. I think LeBron and Anthony Davis pounding the paint over and over and over again with Jaron Jackson Jr. as the only guy to save the Grizzlies. It could not have gone better for the Lakers. I think you're right, man. I think the loss of Steven Adams is huge because the Lakers are a big team who beat up the paint. And usually Steven Adams has issues staying on the floor in the playoffs or last year he did because of all the shooting that they were playing against. But this year they need a guy like that. I have no idea how Memphis could possibly pull this series out. The Lakers look incredible right now. They're really, they picked up steam at the perfect time. Yeah. This does seem like maybe even a five game series. Maybe John Morant just has some 40 point games oh. and wins them a game or two. But how do you stop that? Anthony Davis, LeBron James, paint presence. Exactly. And, you know, some people might be laughing at us right now because Jaron Jackson's either going to win defensive player of the year or come in second, right? Like that's probably what's going to happen. So the way we're talking about him probably feels a little bit disrespectful. And I get that because his statistical output protecting the rim is basically unmatched in NBA history right now. But this is a guy for, that has struggled mightily his entire career. If you think I'm kidding, I encourage you to watch last year's playoffs with him. You would have no idea he was a good defensive player. You would literally not have a clue that he was an impactful defensive player. Carl Anthony Towns made him look like an idiot out there. And it was funny to watch. And Anthony Davis is one of the premier offensive big men in the entire league. He sleepwalks into 30-15s. And it's going to come down to Jaron Jackson Jr. blocking every single one of his shots to give the Grizzlies a chance, in my opinion. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, it is not a discredit to what Jaron Jackson Jr. has done this year because three blocks a game this season has been excellent. But right. when you're asking him to stop LeBron and Anthony Davis at the same exact time, he's just not going to be able to do that. Nobody can carry that kind of load. Um, and now that you've added some shooters, D'Angelo Russell has been an excellent shooter. Austin Reeves has really picked up his play. Malik Beasley only has room to grow. Um, it just seems like a sort of thing where the Lakers are going to pick them apart from everywhere. The thing the Grizzlies have done the best this year is their opponent field goal percentage is number one in the NBA. But it's because they've had a lot of health. 
um, losing Steven Adams, not having Brandon Clark, like those things matter when the playoffs start. And when I referenced Jaron Jackson being like historically good on defense, he's holding opponents to 41% at the rim this year. That doesn't even make sense. Like that is a number that is hard to even really imagine. But unfortunately, he's going against probably two of the top six rim presence, like rim attackers in the entire league in Davis and LeBron. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're seeing a movable object versus unstoppable force right now. That's basically what we're seeing, except there's two of them on one team. Exactly. Yeah. There's one on one team and there's two on the other. And mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the Lakers here. Um, I do want to say John Morant is going to go crazy in this series. Um, he's going to win them two games probably, but I feel comfortable with the Lakers winning this series because, you know, if you think about John Morant, he's going to dominate D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves. Like it's, it's going to be kind of embarrassing, honestly, but at least you have Anthony Davis and Jared Vanderbilt protecting the rim um, and just being able to be great defenders. So we'll, we'll see. I think Jaw is going to be incredible, but in terms of like the Grizzlies as a whole, I don't love them. Yeah. One of the things that they do really well is Dylan Brooks is a great wing defender, um, but they don't really need great wing defense in this series. Right. So it really won't matter. And I've never been that big of a believer in the Grizzlies. So yeah, I have a little bit of bias there. I've just never really felt like they were a team that was going to go deep in the playoffs, especially once you start losing some of your more valuable guys the more you ask Dylan Brooks to shoot the basketball, the less of a chance you have of winning games. Yep. Yeah. And one of the Grizzlies main issues this entire season has been half court offense and you're facing an elite defense in the Lakers. So it's just going to be John Morant, please bail us out or Desmond Bain, please catch fire from three. I don't love that strategy heading into a season, a, a playoff series against literally maybe the greatest player of all time. Yeah. So let's move on to Sacramento versus Golden State. We've kind of disagreed on how this series is going to go. I'm higher on the Sacramento Kings than you are. This is a breakdown before we get into the end. What do you think this series looks like game to game? In terms of what? Just like Like how how the game goes. High scoring like we maybe have never seen. Like 120 a game, 125 a game. I am so excited for Sacramento home playoff games. The Warriors, for as poor of a road team as they've been this year, they've we've got a chance to see some lopsided-ass playoff games. Um, if they can't pick it up on the road and the Sacramento crowd is booming, it could be a 130 to 100 sort of game. The Road Warriors have really been terrible this year. Um, yeah. Bringing back uh, Andrew Wiggins is big. I have the Kings winning this. And how many? Do you think I want to say six, but I'm going to say seven. Okay. I have the Warriors winning in six, but go into why you think the Kings will win. I am so excited for Kings playoff offense. DeMontis Sabonis has been the best, one of the best offensive centers behind Jokic and Embiid um, that you could possibly ask for 19 points, 12 rebounds, seven assists a game. Number one in the NBA in screen assists. He's helping his guys have career years. Keegan Murray has been an excellent catch and shoot guy. The way that Sabonis and Fox can collapse the paint and find shooters is special. And I just don't know that they have that. The Warriors have that many answers for their perimeter guys. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to fight you on it. I mean, I think the Kings are an incredible offensive team. Um, What worries me mightily with them is they are facing a team 
that is borderline a dynasty, right? We have seen an unparalleled amount of success from the Warriors over the last five to seven years, right? Um, no team has done it better. And, you know, whether it's injury or just strange thing, strange road records, right? Like Curry's missed games. Wiggins was out for a really long time, right? Draymond Green here and there. It just They're trying to figure out their rotations, and it feels like they got saved by the bell with Andrew Wiggins coming back, it feels like. And for me, I think me and you disagree a little bit on the Kings wing defense. I think you have a little bit more respect for Keegan Murray as a defender than I do. Mm-hmm. I just think they're the type of team where Andrew Wiggins could just drop 20 points a game in this series after being off for a while, just because who's stopping him at the rim and who's stopping him at the perimeter. Like I, he, does he just become super important all of a sudden as an offensive guy? Um, I just trust Curry, man. And it, it's, I think a lot of people are going to be doubting the Kings. I don't think it's justified. Like, obviously, I'm choosing the Warriors, but the Kings should be respected. This is not going to be some, like, Warriors take out the trash type series. The Kings are going to put up a massive fight. That's exactly what I'm expecting. The worry that I have with the Kings, which you have already stated, is that their defense is about as bad as a playoff team's defense can be. Uh, They have the third worst opponent three-point field goal percentage in the NBA this year. Opponents shoot 37% from three. And if you go down and you look at the three-point shooting numbers for the Warriors this year, Steph Curry's at 43%, Clay is at 41, Wiggins at 40, DiVincenzo's at 40. That's a lot of shooters. And if you're already a team that lets up way too many threes, those guys are going to torch you. But on the other end, you know, you've got guys that are going to torch them. I'm excited for what this series looks like. I think there's going to be some... X factors, Malik Monk and Jordan Poole are two X factors that I think are going to help decide this series. Yeah, I agree. Both of them are six man flamethrowers and both of them might not be able to play a lot of minutes because they're getting torched so badly on defense. Mm -hmm. These are guys who kind of help a lot in the regular season, push offenses forward, and they might just be canceled out because they're being taken advantage of on the other end. Um, You mentioned the three point shooting for the Warriors. That I think this is going to be one of the greatest displays of shooting in a series we've ever seen. You know, we have the Kings on one side having four shooters that can just drop 30 points a game because they've hit eight threes, right? Like Keegan Murray, Malik Monk. We've seen a bunch of guys on that team just catch fire. Kevin Herter. Um, and then on the other side, you have the greatest three-point shooters ever in Clay Thompson and Steph. Like there is just going to be threes everywhere. It's going to be so fun. Yeah, I don't know if I feel comfortable taking the Kings to win this series over a dynasty in the Warriors. I really don't know that I feel comfortable. I have been on the Kings bandwagon since game nine of this season, and I feel like I got a ride with them. But this is going to be a hard-fought series either way. I think it's silly to pretend the Kings don't have a chance. I think, you know, they have proven to us over the entire regular season that they cannot be messed with. Um, we've seen De'Aaron Fox prove that he is a guy that can close out games. So like, I think this season, this series is very close. I'm just going to choose what I know over what I don't know. And, but if you've seen what you've seen from the Kings this year and you trust it, I'm not going to hate on that at all. Regardless of how this series goes for the Kings, this season is an absolute win. Even if this is a four zero sweep, which I can promise you it won't be. But even if that was the case, this would be an absolute win from the Kings. Winning 48 games, almost getting to 50 wins, 
breaking your 16, 17 year playoff drought. This was excellent from them. And even if it all ends in a first round exit, they should be really happy. 100% agree. Let's move on to the four five matchup in the West. This is probably my second favorite series. Uh, we have the Phoenix Suns going against the Clippers. Um, I have the Suns winning in six. Um, I hate that. Honestly, I would have the Clippers winning this series, but Paul George is hurt. Um, And we're unsure about his status in terms of him playing in the postseason. Um, But we're going to get to see the two best forwards not named LeBron over the last two decades face each other in the first round. And that's going to be really, really cool. I'm really excited for healthy playoff Kawhi Leonard. Um, It's always a always a really, really fun sight. He really is arguably the best guy in the game once the playoffs start. Kevin Durant, same thing. I'm expecting excellent, excellent numbers for both of them. But without Paul George, there really isn't a shot that this team overcomes the Suns. The Suns have too much top talent. Right. And it's one of those things for me personally, if Kawhi wins this series, he's the best player in the league. I don't care. This is like he would just be climbing astronomical odds to beat this team because if we go down the roster, like, are we going to trust Russell Westbrook to be a certified number two option in a playoff series? Like, is that what we're doing? If is if Norman Powell, like, is he going to carry an offensive load that Paul George carried? Absolutely not. So this would basically just be Kawhi saying, get on my shoulders. Let's go for a ride. If he accomplishes this, accomplishes that, that would be incredible. But I just see the likelihood of that happening being so low when you have Booker, Durant, Aiton, and CP3 on the other end. Yeah, I think it would take some injuries to some of the top guys in Phoenix. I don't think the Suns being healthy could lose this series. Um, even with that, dude, is there a more disappointing fourth option than DeAndre Ayton? In like all of basketball this year, this guy could be putting up six more points and four more rebounds every game, and he just doesn't. Yeah, it's interesting. I think some people view the Phoenix Suns as a super team. They are far from it. Um, CP3 is an old man, and DeAndre Ayton is probably one of the most disappointing players in the league if you watch him on a night-to-night basis. because you Relative see that- to his potential, relative to it- what he could be. Exact. Correct. Like every single game you watch him, you go, where's DeAndre Ayton or DeAndre Ayton should have had 10 more points tonight. So it's you're never pleased with the DeAndre Ayton performance. It feels like Um, this is really it's Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. And then, you know, Ayton's Ayton's still a good player. He's just not what he should be. And CP3 still good player. And then just a trash can bench versus a team that's very deep, but is missing their second star. So I'm just going to lean with the team that has more top end out talent and is healthy. Yeah. The amount of double doubles that Deandre Ayton's had this year is like really crazy, but it just feels like every time you watch him, he's not doing as much as he could. He puts up 18 and 10 and those look like great numbers. I'm yeah. telling you, he is so much better than that. Um, even though he is, you know, a disappointing fourth option or whatever, Chris Paul in the playoffs, setting up Booker and Durant, this is going to be a beautiful offensive showing. Just watching the way they run half-court playoff offense, it's going to be very, very fun to watch. And I think what's going to be really fun, too, is just what I mentioned to start off the segment of this series is just two of the best forwards that will ever play this game facing each other. Like, you know, it's Larry Bird, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and Dr. J. Those are the five guys in NBA history at this position. And we're going to get to see two of those guys 
face off in the first round. Like that is that's super unique. Yes. I, I all I know is that Durant and Kawhi are gonna be excellent. If this ends in a relatively speedy first round loss for the Clippers, are there questions coming up in the offseason? No. And that's that's the thing. You got two guys that are borderline top 15 player like Kawhi. I think obviously I'm a little biased, but I think he's a top five guy. And Paul George, like just look at what he did this year. I think his season went a little under the radar. Like he was 24, six and five. Like that's really good numbers on great efficiency, too. And he's great on the defensive end as well when he tries. So these are two wing players that are dominant at their position. And you have a great roster filled out around them like. If they're healthy, you're going to win a championship. And that's still how I feel about the Clippers. Like, if Paul George was healthy, I'd be having them win the championship. Um, but he's he's not. This is the fourth year that we've kind of been able to say that. Yeah. Um, and honestly, you could argue it's true every single year that if this team was healthy, they'd be steamrolling their way through the playoffs. Um, I think, yeah, if you are the Clippers, you just have to keep tying your your horse to this wagon. This is what you signed up for. You know these are two injury-prone guys. It's all worth it if they're healthy at the right time. Exactly. And they do that trade over again in an instant because landing Kawhi gets you a chance at a championship. It's just the reality of it. Now, is it unfortunate that he had two ACL tears in the span of four years? Of course. But when he's healthy they kind of look unbeatable. I saw this stat on Twitter the other day. They win 68% of the games he plays in. Like, that is unbeatable. That's basically unbeatable in terms of the NBA. So, yeah, they're they're probably finished because they're going up against a really good team in the, in the Suns. But, you know, it's they can't change things up after this season. I think that's totally fair. There really isn't big moves that they could make unless they were to move a guy like Paul George. And I don't think you can justify doing that. Yeah, you can't. Um, I, those are the that's the first round yeah so let's take a quick break and then we will come back with the second third and finals picks all right and we're back uh we went into our first round so now we're going to start with round two and round two in the east starts off with milwaukee versus cleveland and i love the Cavs. i love what the Cavs have done this year they've had an unbelievable season i don't think it's possible for them to pick up more than one game in this series i'm going gentlemen sweep for the bucks I'm going Bucks and five as well. Um, as a Cavs fan, I'm super pumped they're even here, and I'm really glad they get to face a team that's a championship caliber level team to, just to get some experience. But if we're just doing how these teams match up, it's hilarious. Uh, they have Drew Holiday to pester Donovan Mitchell all series long. They have Brooke Lopez standing at the rim to deter Mobley and Allen. And then they have Giannis doing whatever the fuck he wants all series long. Uh, this is about as bad as it can get for the Cavs. I love the Bucs as a team. I think you nailed it five games for sure. I think the Cavs will just be happy that they made it here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think the Bucs really have a difficult time getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't know that there's any team that is not named the Celtics or the Sixers that could possibly slow them down even a little, even a little bit. And that's not to discredit the Cavs because they've had an unbelievable year. They just don't match up well and it's Giannis on the other team. So, you know, as good as your team is, you're not stopping Giannis. Exactly. Uh, that's that's a pretty simple one to, to pick, in my opinion. I don't know. Is there any, like, specific matchup you're excited to see in that series, that, just so we can talk a little bit more about it, or not really? I mean, it'll be interesting to see what Drew Holiday looks like in the playoffs against a team that matters, because he's had some moments shrinking. We saw it last year against the Celtics. The defense is always excellent, but the offense certainly shrinks. 
And then, you know, pairing two bigs, Giannis and Brooke, and having Mobley and Jared Allen at the floor on the floor at the same time. A lot of teams really aren't doing that. There's not that many non-shooting bigs on the floor at once in most playoff series. And that'll be something at least that's interesting. Yeah, that's that's kind of the thing I'm looking at is just Mobley versus Giannis. And it's, you know, usually young stars get indoctrinated by established stars. And I'm just curious how he can hold up against what I see as the best player in the entire league. Um, Yes, and I don't think I think if we try to project out three or four years, Mobley could become pretty close to what Giannis is like in terms of an all around player. I don't know if Mobley could be the best player in the NBA but a beast at seven foot already defensive player of the year caliber who could put up like 22, 11 and four a game. Like Mobley seeing a guy that he could try to grow into in this series. Right. And I think, you know, I'll be looking for post like press conference comments from Giannis just about how he views Mobley as a player. I always think that stuff's interesting when like other guys compliment players on the other team. So we'll see if Mobley does well, uh, it's a huge playoff series for such a young guy. So I'm very interested in his performance, obviously with him being my favorite player as well. So uh, making it to the second round in year one of the Donovan Mitchell trade would be an excellent win. And doesn't matter that you lose to the bucks because it's the bucks Uh, moving on Boston versus Sixers. I love Joel Embiid, but I think when you look at the track record of their head coach, doc rivers and the second star, James Harden, there is no way to be incredibly confident in the Sixers in a really difficult playoff series. Joel Embiid could average 34 on excellent efficiency and they could still lose in six games. Yeah, I, I have them losing in six, Philly. So I have the Celtics winning the series in six. Um, I talk about basketball, this series with the basketball boys back home in Hudson. And I just, I think nightmare situation for James Harden is having Derek White and Marcus Smart switch off guarding him for an entire series. I just smell a meltdown coming. Um, James Harden has pooped his pants in every postseason series he's ever played in. And it's not going to change when you have an all defensive defensive guard and Derek White hounding you. And then last year's defensive player of the year hounding you. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, you mentioned it. Joel could score 34 points a game. It doesn't matter to me. I have the Celtics winning. Yeah, James Harden's a little bit in scary territory because he missed so much at the end of the year with injury and the games he played over the last six games. He had a five-point outing. He had an 11-point outing, 14 points, 15 points. He hasn't been the second star that he was for the 35-game stretch in the middle of the season. And just so, you know, just to put it out there, Doc Rivers is a bum. He's not a good coach. Um, he blows 3-1 leads better than any coach in basketball. He makes poor rotations. He doesn't game plan well. Um, having Doc Rivers as your coach and expecting to go deep in the playoffs, it just can't. It can't happen. Yeah, Mike Malone and Doc Rivers seem like the only guys left in the league that do the hockey lineups where you just take out all five starters and then throw in all five bench guys. And, you know, just what we've seen in in the NBA is it's just probably the worst strategy a head coach can do. So. Yeah. You know, are we going to see all their bench guys versus Celtics like Derek White, Jason Datum, Jalen Brown? Like it's it would just be foolish. Um, yeah, I Doc Rivers, I don't have a ton of respect for him. James Harden, I have the least amount of respect for from any superstar we've had in the past decade. Um, so I just trust the Celtics to take care of that in six. 
Yeah, unfortunately, this just hasn't been a competitive rivalry. Sixers versus Celtics. Joel Embiid has admitted it multiple times. The Celtics beat that they kicked their ass. It's never really that close of a series. And there have been, you know, injury issues in the past. And Ben Simmons was on the team. Um, But I just don't know what Joel Embiid could do. Because he's not going to struggle. As good of a big man defender as Al Horford is, and he's one of the best out there when it comes to slowing down Joel Embiid, it's not going to matter. But if Joel Embiid puts up 33 a game and the rest of the team just doesn't show up, it doesn't matter. He's going to lose. I think almost a more interesting question to ask ourselves is like, what would have to happen for Philly to win? Like, would Missoula just have to have a complete meltdown as a coach? Would Tatum have to go cold? Like, barring injuries from the Celtics, like, what the hell could the Sixers do to beat them? I don't see it happening. It would take a James Harden masterclass, I think. It would take him being the guy that people are calling him this regular season. Um, if you think James Harden's like arguably top 15 this year, that's what you that's what kind of level of play you need to see from him. Um, not like 16 points on like 35% three-point shooting, which is what I'm expecting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would need Tatum and Brown to both go cold and James Harden to have an excellent series. And that's just not going to all happen at the same time. Yeah, hell will freeze over before that <laughs> happens. So, <laughs> so we are going to move back over to the Western Conference for our second round series. We have the Denver Nuggets facing the Phoenix Suns. Um, this is a tough one. I'd like to see what you have to say first. I am terrified of this series. Um, if the Clippers end up pulling off this a win against the Suns, I will be so much more confident in the Nuggets. But the way, you know, for all the crap I was just talking about DeAndre Ayton, the way that he guards Nikola Jokic in the playoffs, it's better than what most centers are capable of. He's seven foot, seven feet tall. He's strong as hell, mobile as hell, and he doesn't bite for pump fakes. So he stays on the ground and he stays in front of Jokic beautifully. Um, so if there's anybody in the blessed that can really slow Jokic down, strangely enough, I think it's DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. And who do you think wins the series? I don't know how the Nuggets could pull this series off. I think the Phoenix Suns probably win. I think I the Nuggets have been the team I want to make it out of the West. I'm trying to put together in my head, what would it take for the Denver Nuggets to beat the Suns? So I'll I'll kind of break down the case. Um, Jokic goes crazy, obviously. That's that's probably going to happen no matter what. Yeah. But it's Aaron Gordon defending Kevin Durant, and can he make his life difficult? Right. Mm. Because I have a ton of respect for Aaron Gordon as a wing defender. It just so happens he's guarding the best scoring forward to ever play. Um, so can he kind of keep Kevin Durant in check? Because that's kind of the Suns' whole game plan, right? Is KD and Devin Booker are going to outscore your entire team? If Gordon plays well and has an impactful series on that end of the on that end of the court, it, I think it gives Denver a decent chance to win. I actually like that strategy. If the game plan is Bruce Brown, Aaron Gordon, KCP, you need to be physical for forty eight minutes with Booker and Kevin Durant, and that's the only chance we have at winning this series. I'm actually really on board with that. Because Chris Paul's not going to be the guy who wins you this series. It's going to be off the backs of Booker and Kevin Durant. Um, And so if Aaron Gordon, if the physicality strategy that we saw from Boston, if that can be replicated, if Bruce Brown and Aaron Gordon can just hammer him every time he moves anywhere, and that can actually slow him down, there's a path to the Nuggets winning. 
Um, but is that something that can be replicated? That defense against KD from the Celtics was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, and and I I'm choosing the Suns to win as well. Um, but I I don't view this as like a lopsided thing. Again, this is a basically a coin flip. Um, but I actually what's probably going to make me choose the Suns is the defense. Actually, you mentioned DeAndre Ayton and how he plays against Jokic, but Kevin Durant as a weak side defender has been spectacular all season long. Um, and defense is the one thing with the Nuggets I just don't trust. And when it comes down to guys like Devin Booker and Kevin Durant facing Nikola Jokic drop coverage, those mid-range jumpers are going to be there all series long. And I, I just don't trust the Nuggets being able to defend those guys at a high enough level to win the series. So I, I'm going to take the Suns, I think. The game plan for the Nuggets has to be move Jokic out of the way. Every time a pick gets called, they've been trying to do this through the regular season. <clears throat> Every time a pick gets called, they send Jokic to another guy so that he's not involved in the pick and roll. If you put Jokic in drop coverage against Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, I'm turning off that series. Um, I That'll be just misery for me as a Denver Nuggets fan, as a Nikola Jokic fan, to watch him just do absolutely nothing while Kevin Durant eats in the mid-range, that would make me cry. Um, but it's definitely possible, man. We've seen that in the past for them in the playoffs. And it also, you know, this series is about as close as you can call it because you could make the same argument back as, like, who the freak is going to guard Jamal Murray? Like, is Chris Paul, 38-year-old Chris <laughs> Paul, is he going to stop Jamal Murray? Yeah. Absolutely not. Like, these teams are very, very evenly matched, and both of them have horrible benches, and both of them have incredible starting fives. So, yeah, this is about as even as it gets. I'm so excited for this one. Um, I think there's a bunch of series that have a potential to be as entertaining, if not more entertaining, than the finals. And oh. this series and the Bucks celtics I think, are series that are going to rival the finals in terms of entertainment. I agree. Let's move on to the other series. Um, I have the Lakers facing the Warriors. You have the Lakers facing the Kings. So we have two different matchups here. How about you go through who you think would win Lakers-Kings? Lakers-Kings, I honestly, I have tried to ride the Kings bandwagon all year, but it's another thing where it's the same sort of issue that the Grizzlies are having. How on earth is DeMontis Sabonis going to do anything against Anthony Davis and LeBron James driving to the hole? Um, I think DeMontis Sabonis lets up the worst opponent field goal percentage out of any starting center. Uh, the Kings have one of the worst rim protection numbers in the entire NBA this year. Um, so that's going to be an absolute nightmare, right? The Kings can't do anything against them. As good as the Kings offense is, I think I see the Lakers taking that series. Yeah, that's how I would view that series playing out as well. I've been calling it for weeks. If they match up, the Lakers are winning that thing. But I actually have a different matchup. I have the Lakers against the Warriors. And I think the Warriors probably take it. Um, I just trust Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond, Wiggins, Looney, that five a little bit more than I trust what we've seen from the Lakers. That unit for the Warriors has had years together chemistry that is unmatched throughout the entire league this Lakers team was put together at the trade deadline and even though I respect them a ton and love their talent chemistry matters we saw it last year in the finals right like that's what won the Warriors the series in my opinion they just had the chemistry that the Celtics kind of couldn't figure out um and I, I'm going with it again so I have the Warriors beating the Lakers in s probably six 
that is going to be, if that's the series, that'll be such an entertaining dude. The West is just going to be so much fun round by round. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that series turns into. I would love to see the Lakers take it, but I don't think you can bet on that when the Warriors have the kind of championship DNA that they have and the way that they play as a five man unit, the way part of the way that the Warriors beat the hell out of the Celtics was just in the first six seconds of the shot clock. Steph Curry gets three or four switches run on him. Somebody makes a split second mistake and there's a wide open three. Um, And when you're asking a bunch of guys, you just traded to your team to try to figure all that out. Like Steph Curry is going to cook on some of those guards. I think the paint will be very, very difficult to break into, but I've read out the shooting numbers for the Warriors this year. They might just be fine letting it fly from deep. Yeah. And when you have to think about D'Angelo Russell playing meaningful defensive minutes on either Clay or Steph Curry, it is, it's laughable, right? Like it's just, it's a funny joke and it'll, it'll probably lead to the Lakers demise, right? Because even though Vando and AD are fantastic, they're not chasing Steph Curry and Clay Thompson around screens all night. It's just not happening. Um, And if that's the strategy, the paint would be wide open, right? So it's kind of just a nightmare matchup for the Lakers. And I think the Warriors would definitely take that. Yeah, they're, most of their strategy is going to be trading twos for threes. Um, yeah. And yeah. they're just going to hope that the Warriors miss enough and that they can play good enough defense on that end because the Warriors aren't stopping the Lakers in the paint. Draymond Green's awesome, but just like Jaron Jackson Jr., he cannot stop Anthony Davis and LeBron James at the same time. Yeah. Um, and I think Dre's going to have an awesome series but I don't really think it'll matter in terms of protecting the paint. What's interesting, though, is he's not by himself. He has a loony next to him. So I actually think there's an okay chance that, you know, he we saw him do extremely well against Jokic last year, Draymond. There were games where he just completely threw Jokic off of his rhythm, and it helped because he could be uber aggressive because he had loony behind him. Right. I think we can see a similar game plan from Draymond this year if this is the series that ends up happening. So... A warriors advance in my opinion what would it take for the lakers to beat the warriors in this series it would probably take a master class shooting from d'angelo russell or malik beasley that's that's probably what it would have what it would take to beat the warriors and it, that doesn't seem like a bet i want to take yeah dude it's gonna be so interesting if these are the series that happens the amount of rest that the golden state warriors are going to be able to have because they're playing in california the entire time um the the lack of travel that they have to deal with those guys are going to be very well rested ready to go every single game it's hard to not bet on the warriors but lebron james is lebron james and he could put up you know in his 20th season he's averaging 29 9 and 8 29 8 and 7 um, he could have another incredible series. He could will them to a win by himself. I think regular season, we've kind of felt like Anthony Davis is the best player on this team. When it comes to the playoffs, LeBron takes that crown back. Yeah. Yeah. LeBron's that guy still. So he'll be fine. Um, if we move back to the Eastern Conference, we have the Eastern Conference finals. We have the Bucks Celtics. I think I know where you're going, but give me your pick. I'm going with the Celtics. The more I've been watching the Celtics, the more I've been looking at the losses that they've had this year, the more confident I feel that there's nothing that can stop them except for themselves. Um, the Bucks, it really, to me, if the Celtics game plan properly, if the offense goes the way that they want it to go, it doesn't matter how well the Bucks play. I see the Celtics winning that series in seven. This is the series I'm having the most trouble choosing 
Um, my heart is telling me one thing and my head is telling me another. Um, every statistic I look at, it screams the Celtics should win this series. And then my heart says you never bet against the best player in the league ever. Um, and I'm just going to go with my gut here. I, I, prob- I don't feel awesome about this. I'm going to take the Bucks in seven. I don't feel good about it. The Celtics are a historic team, like in terms of just efficiency, where they've ranked throughout the season. They're top two in both defensive and offensive rating. That's only happened with the Warriors in both years they won the championship. Um, it would actually be surprising if the Celtics didn't win the championship. They would be creating history that way. They'd be the first team ever to not win the championship with the type of numbers they've put up. But it's something about these top-tier legend talents like Giannis that I just do not feel comfortable going against. Um, we saw this with LeBron back in his Cleveland days where the young up-and-coming Celtics brought the Cavs to a Game 7 and Everyone in Boston thought he was over for LeBron because he had no talent around him. And I said, no fucking way. The Celtics are beating this guy. Like he is unstoppable. He is the best player in the league. And it went the way I thought it would go because LeBron is just a a supernova. And I view Giannis in a very similar light where it's just, I, I don't see how players or teams can feel confident going against that guy. So I'm just going bucks and seven. Giannis, if there's any guy in the NBA to root for just winning a series through brute force, it's Giannis. Yeah. Over the last 15 games Giannis has played against the Celtics, he's averaged 29 points on 52% true shoot, which is very poor. Um, we saw last year they didn't have Chris Middleton, and that was a wrinkle that really, really hurt them, not having that extra score. But yeah. I think the addition of Malcolm Brogdon is something that is going to be really really obvious in this series why it was so important um brooke lopez is a drop coverage center and we Mm. don't have a lot of mid-range killers we didn't really have them last year jason tatum loves the deep two uh, but we don't love it um but malcolm brogdon malcolm brogdon is a killer in the mid-range if that drop coverage pick and roll mid-range shot is available he's going to exploit it i could see him putting up 20 a game this series um and i could see him being just a guy that breaks the defense a little bit wide open because if brooke lopez starts coming back out to check him at the mid-range that opens up shots around the paint that could open up three point shots i really think the celtics have a chance to just game plan beautifully around the bucks yeah and they have the talent uh they have the talent i think you know something that goes under the radar i think is the bucks bench uh and it, it makes sense why they go unrecognized because the celtics have the best bench in the league um so i think you know because the advantage is in the Celtics' favor, I think people forget to talk about how good the Bucks bench is. Um, they have quality guys like Jay Crowder, Joe Ingles, and Javon Carter that will be getting playoff minutes and all contribute very heavily to their winning. Like Javon Carter playing elite point-of-attack defense off the bench matters, and him hitting threes matters. Jay Crowder being able to switch off and on Jalen and Jason Tatum, that matters over a series. And another reason that I'm choosing the Bucks is just the path, right? We we've chosen our series so far. I had the Bucks sweeping in the first round, and then I had the Bucks winning in five. I had the Celtics winning in six, and the Celtics winning in six. Those extra games, they matter to me a little bit. Like the Bucks will just have more rest than the Celtics when it gets to this point as well. Um, yeah, I don't feel awesome about it, but that's how I'm rationalizing it. Um, I'm just gonna take the Bucks. 
I, I don't think it's crazy. This is going to be a pretty even uh, spread in terms of betting. Giannis is amazing, and he can single-handedly win you a series. But in terms of how the team is broken down, what made the series so close last year was the turnovers. And I can keep hammering home how important the addition of Brogdon is, the growth of Derek White. Um, yeah. Those guys handle the ball really, really well. They limit turnovers really, really well. If the Celtics can commit to, you know, we run our offense through these guys and Tatum and Brown, when you get the ball, it's about getting buckets. I think that works a lot better than over and over and over again, trying to have Tatum and Brown create for others. I think we have the guys who can do the creation. It's up for them to score. Yeah. And I agree. I think the Celtics are better this year than they were last year. The only difference is, is like, for me, I'm going to bet, and this could be stupid, I'm going to bet Drew Holiday isn't as horrible as he was last year. That's what I'm going to bet, because this is probably Drew Holiday's best season of his career this year. It wouldn't shock me if he gets some third-place All-NBA votes. It would not shock me at all. I think he's going to get some Defensive Player of the Year votes as well. Um, That wouldn't shock me. Like, he has been absolutely incredible this year. When Giannis was out, when Chris Middleton was out, he was the number two option, no question. He had a 50-point game this season. That is not something we've seen from him in the past. He looks more comfortable as an offensive player this year than I've seen him before. So with the addition of Middleton being back, Andrew Holiday not sucking cheeks, like I just think it makes the Bucs a lot harder to beat. And the Celtics have gotten better too. So I think both teams have actually gotten better, but the Bucs are healthy now and they have the best player in the league. That's just why it's so close. Like this, you're absolutely right. You mentioned it. Like the betting for this series will be very interesting on who's favored and who's not because it, to my estimation, these are the two best teams in the league. All right, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think this is going to be an incredible series. I just the the more we the closer we've gotten to the playoffs, the more confident I have felt in the Celtics moving forward. Because when you talk about the issues with the Celtics this year and the issues are that they can't get it up against bad competition, there's no bad competition in these playoffs. Um, they're only playing in games that matter. Jalen Brown has elevated his game as a scorer in a big way, and I'm so excited for what that looks like in the playoffs. it's just they're such a deep team these are two absolute powerhouses and I don't know how I mean I know how the Bucs could win um the rest of the team could just step it up right as good as Giannis is going to be if Drew Holiday drops an egg again and shoots 30 percent from the field or however poor he was shooting from the field they have no chance it does you know all of these guys are going to have to play as good as they can possibly play I think to have a chance against the Celtics or to beat I, the Celtics. They have a chance. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, we saw it last year, right? Without Middleton, Andrew Holiday sucking ass, they went to game seven. Right? Like, it shouldn't have gone that far. And it took Grant Williams hitting seven threes to beat the Bucks in a game seven, right? So, are we counting on Grant hitting seven threes again this year? Probably not. Like, it's just going to be, uh, it's going to be very interesting this series. I don't know how to peg it. I think it's basically as even as you can get. I've said that a lot this podcast, but it really does feel like most of these matchups are about as close as you can get. I don't, I think you're totally right in saying that. Uh, Let's move on to the Western Conference. And we're really not sure what this last finals looks like. It could be Denver Lakers. It could be Denver Warriors. It could be Phoenix Lakers. It could be Phoenix Warriors. Uh, What's the series that you think this is most likely going to be? Mine was Phoenix Warriors. Right. And I have the Warriors winning in six. 
Um, I think this Warriors team is just a sleeping giant. And the way the bracket played out for them as well, I think is perfect. Uh, the Kings inexperienced young team, their first taste of the postseason in 16 years against a dynasty, like I mentioned, like barely any travel. The Golden State Arena is a bus ride away from the Sacramento Arena. They won't even have to fly. Um, and then you go and face a Phoenix team that has no bench at all. And who the fuck on the Suns is going to guard Steph Curry or Klay Thompson? Like, I'm sorry, CP3 running around screens all game long sounds like a really good way for the Phoenix Suns to lose a series. So um, I'm, I'm going Warriors in six. In terms of who is going to check <clears throat> Steph Curry, they're going to ask Devin Booker to do his absolute best. And they legitimately might throw Josh Okogie out there because he's been a really good defender. Um, but I don't know what the strategy looks like in terms of slowing down the guards on the Warriors. Um, similarly, they are not stopping Kevin Durant. Andrew Trey Wiggins is game on, dude. I'm not saying they're going to stop him, but that's like, I respect that guarding him. Do you think, I don't think I could see Kevin Durant doing what Jason Tatum did last finals. I don't think, I don't know if Andrew Wiggins is really that guy or if Jason Tatum kind of failed to show up. I don't mean them, like, I just think they're going to make his life hard. Right? Okay. And I don't, yeah, they're not going to shut down Kevin Durant. That's silly. But, you know, you have a generational defender in Draymond and then a really, really good defender I respect in Wiggins being able to take turns on Kevin and, you know, that I take, I think that's better than CP3 and Devin Booker chasing Steph Curry and Klay Thompson around screens. Like it just, I, I just think it's the far better matchup. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right about that. Legacy wise, what happens after this game? Um, is there really, do you feel like the Suns have the amount of pressure that people have put on them to be championship or bust this year? Absolutely not. Okay. They, the team was formed at the trade deadline. They have yeah. no bench, which they can solve in the offseason. Like, I do not view this as a do or die season for the Suns at all. Legacy wise, do you think this is uh, how do you think people feel about this? Steph Curry knocking out Kevin Durant advancing. Um, what do you think happens? Because we've talked endlessly about Kevin Durant's inability to lead a team to a playoff or to a championship. Well, I, I just think it guarantees that Steph Curry gets put ahead of him on all-time lists mm. from here on out. Um, you know, if if Steph adds another finals appearance to his resume as the lead guy, and it helps knocking out Kevin, of course, when you're comparing the two. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think there could be a question moving forward if this is how it plays out. I totally see that. Um, what is the key for the Suns to win this series? I think Devin Booker could have a phenomenal series because I'm not crazy about the guard defense in Golden State. Jonathan Kaminga is excellent, but he's not really a guard defender. Uh, Jordan Poole is a turnstile. Moses Moody won't get that many minutes. What's the key for the Suns winning this? Honestly, I think it's CP3. Uh, just looking like a normal basketball player this deep into the playoffs. Uh, we saw last year he completely flamed out in the Mavericks series. Uh, kind of didn't look like himself. You know, some people are going to call it COVID. I think that's fake. Um, you know, CP3 is 38 years old. And is he going to be a competent offensive player while his defensive responsibilities are so great? Uh, I, I just don't see it happening. But if he's able to 
play above average defense on the Golden State guards and be able to hit threes and set up his teammates effectively, like, of course, that that's a really good recipe to win a series. Yeah, I don't see it from Chris Paul at age 38. Um, that would definitely be a major X factor if Chris Paul could end up being the guy. But man, 38 years old, we saw what he looked like last playoffs. You said it. I think he was healthy and he just shit the bed. Um, he's just not that guy anymore, man. And I I think part of this is the reason the Suns could win is because the Golden State Warriors is not as good are not as good as we project them to be. Um, we've seen what they've been this season. We've seen what they've been on the road this season. You can't wipe that away entirely. Going to Phoenix to play in their arena, I think is going to be really difficult for the Warriors this year. Yeah, I think that's totally fine. And when it comes to the Western Conference, did you have a different Western Conference playing out than I did? Because you had the Kings winning, right? I think I had the... No, I think I did have the Suns winning. I want the Nuggets to win. I want to say that I have them winning that series, but I don't. I have the Suns winning that series. So you have Suns-Kings in the Western Conference Finals? Oh, wait, no, because we were... I had Suns-Lakers. Suns-Lakers. Because I had the Lakers beating the Kings. So Um, who do you think wins that? I think the Phoenix Suns win that series. I don't think... uh, I think Kevin Durant eats in the mid-range, and I think even though the paint gets locked down, the top four guys on the Suns can win that series. What's interesting is I would probably take the Lakers in that series. Um, I think Vanderbilt being able to get up in Kevin Durant's business all game would, would help, and I just think... I don't know. Anthony Davis and LeBron against DeAndre Ayton just seems like a nightmarish situation. Uh, No disrespect to Kevin Durant, but I just think the Lakers and their game plan going into that series is getting shots at the rim instead of the mid-range, and I think that's a better plan. Yeah, my worry is when it comes to the Lakers, it's kind of similar to what you said about the Bucs and Celtics. If the Lakers are playing multiple six- and seven-game series, LeBron and Anthony Davis's health is going to be very, very big question mark. Um, and I think any game they miss is going to be a loss. And so I think it's pretty likely LeBron and AD miss a game or two in these playoffs. Um, if they're healthy, I could definitely see Jared Vanderbilt and Anthony Davis combining to just absolutely do work to Kevin Durant defensively. Um, but then I don't know offensively how the Lakers pull that series out. It's a very good point. Very, very good point. Health is going to be a big thing for both teams, uh, yeah. especially for the Lakers. We've seen all year long that they've proven they can't stay healthy. So, yeah. Um, so let's go back to the Eastern Conference. Actually, no, this is finals time. Yeah. Finals time. So my finals matchup is Bucks Warriors. Uh, that is my finals matchup. And I have the Bucks winning in six. Um, I think Giannis is just impossible. And I think Drew Holiday is the guy you would want to chase Steph around all series long. Yeah. Um, it, I'm not saying he's going to stop him, but I, I'm saying it's going to make him hard. Uh, it's going to be hard. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to take Bucks in six. Yeah, man. I think that would be an excellent, excellent series. But I think Giannis wins that series pretty much single handedly. Um, I think he could average 33, 12, and 6, 33, 12, and 7, and just absolutely blow the roof off the place. Um, Chris Middleton isn't getting checked. I mean, you can't check Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis at the same time if you're the Warriors. Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green are going to have very, very heavy shoulders with their defensive loads. Then there's a third guy open. And if Drew Holiday can be that guy this series, if he can be a good offensive player, the Bucks could steamroll 
through the playoffs. I think part of my doubting the Bucks comes from the fact that Drew Holiday just hasn't been able to prove that he is this guy once the playoffs start. Yep. Yeah, and it's super fair too. Like he hasn't given us that indication that he is a great playoff player. Uh, right. I'm, I for whatever reason, from what I've seen in the regular season, I think it's finally going to translate. So I have Bucks and six. You had the Suns Celtics as your final. What is your result? I think that's going to be an unbelievable series. And I've got the Celtics winning that one. I think the Celtics could win that one in six. I mean, if we've seen what Kevin Durant defense looks like for this team, um, and we know that Chris Paul is a hobbled old man, it's really going to be asking Devin Booker to put up 36 a game. Yeah. Um, And I just think the depth of the Celtics, that's when it really kills the Suns because the Suns have absolutely no depth. And if you got fresh legs, Derek White chasing Devin Booker around, you got fresh legs, Grant Williams, just hammering Kevin Durant and throwing him to the floor. Um, that's going to be a very tough series for the Suns. I have Celtics in six. If that's the series that plays out, I completely agree. I think we've seen the Celtics prove they know how to handle Kevin Durant. Um, I doubt they hold him to the same efficiency they did the first time, but he's Probably. not going to feed his averages, right? I don't see him playing above his weight against a team that's perfectly formulated to stop him. And you mentioned it, like 38-year-old CP3 getting hounded by Derek White and Marcus Smart. It's just a nightmare situation. Like, they're going to pick him up full court. They're going to make him work his ass off. And it's just not going to work long term. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. If, if that's the final series, uh, Celtics in six for sure. And I don't know how the Suns could slow down their three-point shooting. DeAndre Ayton's awesome at protecting the paint, but if Missoula ball is what we see and they're just, you know, driving, chucking, driving, passing to an open three-point shooter and chucking, I don't see the Suns having really any answer for that. I don't really see the answer either. I think it would just kind of be a a scoring war, um, but the Celtics have the defense to compensate for their offense. I don't think the Suns do. I think the Suns have a respectable defense for sure, just because KD and Ayton protecting the paint is a very formidable a strategy yeah but in terms of like you know how are you going to stop tatum is josh okoji gonna hold tatum to 20 Kevin durant might guard tatum one-on-one that's not what you want though right because then then your best offensive option is playing the most difficult player on the opposite team like like that's just a bad strategy most of the time yeah and, so- and if you think about al horford as a shooter you can stretch him out to the perimeter pull eight and away from the perimeter and then al horford can play make out of that spot Um, there, it seems like there would be a bunch of different ways that the Celtics could break down the Suns, And a lot of that comes down to, can Missoula be that guy? All of this for me comes down to, can Missoula be the guy who can coach them to these wins? And that is a gigantic thing to ask of him, but it is also, he's coaching the most talented team in in basketball. Unquestionably, in my opinion, they're the deepest team, the most talented team. It's just... Can they be put in the positions to win? And just another thing, like the way CP3 plays well is he picks on mismatches, right? Against the Celtics, there's no mismatches. That's how they play basketball. They switch one through five and they're comfortable with every single matchup. Mm -hmm. If it's Rob Williams guarding Chris Paul, they're okay with it. If it's Horford guarding Chris Paul, they're okay with it. So there really isn't a weakness to pick against if you're facing the Celtics and you're Chris Paul. I think the Suns probably implode. I think KD and Booker are the only reason they take two games from the Celtics. I think that's totally fair. If this turns into Bucks Suns, what do you think happens? Bucks in a landslide. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think that's fair. I think nobody on the Suns can check Giannis. DeAndre Ayton is not that physical. We've seen it. We've yeah. seen we saw Giannis look DeAndre Ayton in the face and give him 50, 17, and six. Like we saw it happen. I, I'm not betting against that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I want to say that the Nuggets can make it all the way here. That's the team that, you know, my heart says should be in this spot. But over the teams that we're talking about, over the Phoenix Suns, I just think that is such a hard mountain to overcome. What it would take, I think part of it, does the Denver altitude matter? Is there a chance that that matters come playoff time, that those guys just really struggle when they play those away games? Absolutely. And especially guys like Chris Paul, who's not like super in shape and very old. Like that is going to affect his conditioning throughout the series. Absolutely. So you know, maybe that helps Denver. I think it probably does. Before we like head on out of here, you have been very Denver optimistic, right? This entire season. Is this you kind of finding a weakness with Denver while you're choosing Phoenix? Or do you just have a massive respect for Phoenix over them in that series? I worry about, you know, the best player on the floor can win your series. And Jokic is by far the best offensive player in the NBA. But if he's getting picked apart defensively, you can't say that he's a better player than Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant gives you so much on both ends, even though Jokic's offense clears him. Um, you know, you, you can't say Jokic is the best player on the floor. And I think that matters. It depends on what the defensive strategy looks like. I think we'll kind of know from the first round how the Denver Nuggets will be able to hold up defensively. If they do really well in that eight matchup in that against that eight seed, even if it's a terrible team, if they are not able to abuse Jokic, I will be much more bullish on them moving forward. Yeah, that's a really good take. I like that take a lot. Uh, I think the first series will be pretty informative about Denver's defense, whoever they face. If it's OKC, we'll get to see how they defend Shea getting to the paint. If it's Minnesota, we'll get to see how they do it with Ant. And I think, you know, if they really prove something to us where they are stifling teams on defense, maybe we have to view them differently. I just don't see it happening. I don't see stifling defense. Right. <laughs> but what I want to see is, will your offense overcome your defense? Um, will you be able to hold a team to 110 and put up 122? Yeah. You know, that sort of thing is what I'm waiting to see. In terms of like... Can the Nuggets hold teams under 100 in the playoffs? Fuck no, they cannot. Um, but my question is going to be more, will it matter in the end? Yeah, I I think it's safe to say this is the most excited I've ever been for an NBA playoffs, ever. Since I've been alive, since I've been a fan of the NBA, I don't think I've been more excited than this postseason. The doors are wide open, man. As much as I love the Celtics, as high as I am on the Celtics, the yeah. Bucks could take this series the Sixers could do something unbelievable. Right. <laughs> Pull off a ridiculous comeback. Joel Embiid's a top three player in the NBA right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't know what round three is going to look like. I don't know if I'm, I mean, I'm pretty confident round one. I think we're going to be mostly right. But yeah. when it comes time to, for the conference finals matchups, I don't know what's going to happen. I am so excited for that. Right. Like I chose the Warriors to make the finals. They could be out in the first round. Like Sacramento could take them out and that wouldn't shock me. It's mm-hmm. it's gonna be so close across the board. It feels like the Eastern Conference, maybe not so much, but just as we go through the postseason, these teams, they're more and more evenly matched as we continue through. It's going to make for an unbelievable amount of games. 
that we're like super impressed by or super like we just have a bunch of fun watching. Yeah, the worst time in playoff basketball is when you know who is making it to the finals. Yeah. Um, and we don't know right now. We really don't. We got a good idea of what teams are going to be representing the East and West. But even then, upsets are absolutely possible. I cannot wait for this to start. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully me and Ben are pretty accurate with our predictions here. Uh, you can definitely call us out if we're not. Um, but Ben, do you have anything else to say before we uh, get on out of here? I've got nothing. Thank you everybody for listening in. We'll catch you later. Peace. Peace.